0: Glory to God. I want to talk to you this morning on the subject of keep growing. Keep growing. John chapter 15 want to read this morning some scripture there. This entire chapter is about growth. It's about our continual growth. He says there, I don't know how much I'll read, but just start there in verse number one. He said, I am the vine and you are the, uh, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. And every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Amen? So he's talking about our maturity, our growth. Because young trees don't produce fruit or much fruit. You don't prune a tree until it grows a bit. And then after it grows and matures, then you begin to prune it. So he's talking about spiritual development, that we may bear more fruit. And you are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you, as the branches cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. He says, I am the vine and you are the branches, and he who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out in, as a branch and is uh, with, withered, and they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, You will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. Right? Are you with me? Verse 9, he's talking about, keep it in mind, he's talking about spiritual growth. And so we are uh, in him, we are the branches But if we don't bear he's going to trim us because of the maturity we're growing but he wants us not to just bear a little fruit he wants us to bear much fruit and as the father loved me verse 9 I also have loved you abide in my love he says if you keep my commandments you will abide in my love just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abided in his love. This is verse 10. Now this commandments that he is referring to here is not the Ten Commandments. He said this is if you keep my commandment. Now he's getting ready to tell us what his commandments are. In verse 11, These things I have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. How many believe we could use a good dose of that? Amen. Amen. Some joy. Amen. Amen. Now verse 12 tells us what Jesus was referring to in verse 10. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this that they lay down their life down one's life for his friend. Verse 14, he said, you are my friends if you do whatever I command you. No longer do I call you a servant, for a servant doesn't know, how, know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends for all things that I heard from my Father I have made known to you. Amen. Amen. He's talking here about spiritual maturity. As I said, young trees, you, if you're, you don't even have to be a farmer or anything like that to understand that you don't plant a, a, a sapling today and bear fruit tomorrow or even this year. It takes years of time, generally speaking, for the, for the apple tree to produce a apple, let alone apples. But in its maturity, if it is 10, 15 years old and you have properly pruned it and you have taken care of it and there is no sign of fruit, much fruit even, on the tree, then chances are that you're going to take that tree, cut it down and replace it with another. Is that right? Because you've planted that tree, you have done all that you have invested in that tree, you have pruned the tree, and now it is mature and you expect some fruit from that tree. And the Holy Spirit wants us to understand that, he, that, that along with the blessing of being called a child of God comes a responsibility to bear much fruit. Jesus is about ready to leave his disciples, and he is giving them over the kingdom work, and he is going to be gone, and the kingdom is going to be left up to them. And up until this point, I believe that he is is showing that there is a growing relationship, there is a, a relationship that he is developing, that he is culturing, But up until now, he views them as servants. (laughs) They were serving him in a capacity. How many know that, that a servant isn't a bad thing? But it is the lowest level of relationship when we look at it in this form. It is the lowest level or rank of relationship. It is where we begin You know the master if someone was to ask you uh, what the master looks like uh, you could tell them or give them a description and say this is what the master looks like you could tell the height the stature but you really don't know them right you see the master You're in close proximity with the master. You may even live on the same property as the master, but but you don't know him personally. You know perhaps even what he likes, what he dislikes. But there is limitations to your relationship. And even though you know his name, he knows your name, there are limitations to how long and how far you can go with the master. In the church today, we have lost the understanding that everyone is not on the same level. And as a result of that, we have allowed everyone's voice to have the same weight, Someone can come and talk to you and and tell you a thing that you have never met before and they come and tell you a thing and you take it with the same measure or same level of weight as someone that has invested in your life for 10, 15, 20 years. And that is the reason why we've got a whole lot of messed up folk today. Amen. You see, we've been taught... This has been taught to everyone is equal, and people have no respect for those who God has raised up and anointed with spiritual giftings and spiritual places the apostle, prophet, pastor, teacher, evangelist. And let me tell you just stop uh, and say this what you do not honor, you will never get gain from. You say, Well, I don't believe in healing. Well, you, you won't have to ever worry about it ta- overtaking your life. Amen. I don't believe in whatever, and you just put name whatever it is. You won't ever have to worry about it take moving in your life because what you do not honor and, and respect will, will, will be either taken, removed from you, or will be withdrawn from you. But on the other hand, what you honor and respect will be drawn to you. Amen. And so when you honor the gift of healing, when you honor the gifts of the Spirit, when you honor those things, they they are drawn to your life, right? It's also caused people to think that, that when you get saved, you've arrived. That we don't understand that salvation is not the arrival, it is the beginning of the race. And it's been taught that God is no respecter of persons, and it's been taken out of context. What he is referring to when he says God is no respecter of persons is this that it takes that everybody has to go through the blood. Everyone has to be saved, and he is no respecter of persons, Jew, Gentile, male, female, whatever you are. We have been drawn nigh through the blood of Jesus Christ. And so he is no respecter of persons, no matter where you have been, what you have done. We all must come through the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen? Praise God. But, but the con- in the, that is the context in which it, which it is used. But you see, he is respecter when it comes to uh, the proof of that is is Cain and Abel. God respected Abel's sacrifice, but he did not respect Cain's sacrifice. This doesn't have nothing to do with seniority. God is not a union man. Listen to me, it has everything to do with with faithfulness and fruitfulness and a desire to follow after God. God doesn't just hand out His gifts because you've been in the church 10 years. Neither do you have to wait 10 years to be used of God. But God isn't going to use you if He cannot trust you. And you will never receive your full potential in the first month or six months of your walk with God. But it will grow as you grow. What he can trust you with. Amen. Are you with me so far? Just nod your head. Amen. I'm going to teach today. Is that all right? I know I might get on some religious cows, but if you'll bear with me, I believe I can show you what I'm sharing today is truth. Matthew chapter 25 and verse 19, how many have ever heard people say they wish Jesus was their pastor? They wouldn't have liked it. because he's not politically correct. Look at this story with me. Matthew chapter 25 and verse 19, you've read it before. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and and settled accounts with them, and the man who had received five talents brought Uh, The other five and master, he said, you entrusted me with five talents. See, I have have gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come share your master's happiness. And the man with two talents came also to the master and said, you entrusted me with two talents, see I have gained two more. And his master replied, well done, good and faithful servant, you have been faithful with a few things, I will put you in charge of many things, come and share in your master's happiness. Then the man who had received one talent came and master, he said, I knew That you were a hard man, harvesting where you did not sow and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your talent in the ground. See, here it is what belongs to you. And his master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew. That I harvested where I had not sown and gathered where I had not scattered. And well then, you should have taken and put my money in deposit in the bankers uh, so that when I return, I would have received it back with interest. Take the talent from him and give it to the one who has ten talents. For everyone who has will be given more and he will have an abundance. Whoever does not have even what he has will be taken from him. The first thing that this story teaches me is that being faithful is not maintaining or just keeping what you've got. Oh, I'm being faithful, right? But according to this story that Jesus tells, you just holding on to what you got is not being faithful. He said, You're lazy. I didn't say that, Jesus did, right? Is that scripture? You lazy and wicked servant, you're maintaining what you've got. He says that's not being faithful. Being faithful is using what you have to increase what you've got. Being faithful is using what you have to increase what you've got. And so there are three levels of trust here. The master trusts one servant with one talent. He trusts another servant with two talents. And he trusted another servant with five talents. Now if if Jesus would have pastored in today's culture, they would have said you're not being fair. Because there was enough talents, if you break them down, there was enough to give everyone three talents. Huh? And so, if uh, I were to have these talents and I would dispense them in the way that Jesus dispensed them and I gave, I gave uh, five talents to... Um, Brother Clint here, and I gave two talents to Brother uh, Gary here. Now, how many know I can pick on these fellas because I trust them. But how many know I'd have an uproar on my hands? Not that he'd do it, but I'm using him. Brother Gary'd say, "Look here, you done gave Brother Clint five talents and only gave me two. What's up? I'm mad. You ain't treating me right. I'm leaving. And you know that's the truth. I'm going. You've you've, uh, given somebody else more than you've given me and Jesus said it's not about how long you've been here. It's not about how long you've been serving or how long you've been doing. He said I know your ability. Right? He's using this as an example and so he says that the master doesn't give them out equally, but he gives them out according to how he trusts his servants. And it bared out he was right. Huh? It bared out he was right because he trusted one with five and he came back and he said, I- I've doubled it. I've used your five and I've doubled it. And he says, well done. You've done awesome. Now watch the one that only had two, but was faithful in it, got the same blessing that the one who fought, had five. Amen. He came back. He said, "You gave me two, and I've got two more." And he said, "Well done." Yeah. Right? But then he comes down to the one. He said, "I'm." In other words, if I could, you know, just Matthew, Matthew, eyes this. <laughs> He said, I don't don't even really trust you, but I'm going to give you a chance. And I'm going to give you one talent, right? I'm going to give you an opportunity to to grow here. I'm going to give you an opportunity to to, to begin to develop and to mature. I'm going to give you one of my talents to use. But unfortunately, it turned out just the way he thought it would. He said, fear got a hold of me. Right? And I ran and hid your talent in the ground. And now here's your talent. I maintain what you gave me. I've still got what you gave me and left with me. And he said, you're wicked and lazy. I I, I just want to throw this out there today. Just throw it out there. I wonder what God's thinking about His church today. What have we done with the giftings and talents that He's entrusted us with? Are we developing them? Are we maturing? Are we growing in them? Are we still got the same thing He gave us when we got saved? Do we still have the same thing that He He gave us when we were filled with His Holy Spirit? Do we still have that same trust level? Does he still trust us to the same measure that he did the day that? because he said he put in these earthen vessels a treasure? And so does he still only trust us the same measure today as he did when he gave us the first treasure? This story didn't have a very good ending. But Jesus is about to leave his disciples, and he says, I've got good news for you. I'm gonna, you've passed the test, and you're no longer called servants, but you're moving up to a level of trust. And he said, now the relationship is no longer going to be you're a servant, but that you are my friend. You are my friend. Friendship is another, another level. He says, "If you read this, he said, the secrets or the things that the father has told me, I'm going to trust you with them. Have you ever told somebody a secret, and when you told them, it weren't a secret no more? <laughs> they just told everybody." It went everywhere. It went public. Huh? That's not happened to none of nobody, right? You thought that you, you were on a level of relationship that you could trust them with private information with only to find out that your thinking of their, or your level of relationship and their thinking was not the same. Friendship is another level of trust. It is to trust your friend with your heart, with your desires, with your dreams, with your visions. You open yourself up to them and, and you, you tell them what you uh, know uh, is in your heart. You give them the the secrets, if you will, of your heart because you are on a relationship where you can trust them with it. Friend means this, it means supporter, defender, intimate, advocate. These are the words that describe a real friend. And there's always a danger in promoting a person into this level of relationship before you really know that you can trust them. Our culture, we want to be so accepted that we'll, we'll have ungodly soul ties. We'll connect ourselves with people, and that we barely know. We'll share our intimate uh, things with them. We'll we'll share our soul with them, if you will, and we don't even know who they are. Right? And we connect. We connect with them in this level, and then they begin to to use the things that you are are so passionate about, that are so heart-connected to, that, that whenever you share those things with them, then that person that is not a true friend will take those things and twist and turn on you, to break you. Amen. I'm trying to help us today. You can't help who comes to your house. But you have full control of who you let in. You control who eats at your table. Watch this. Jesus let Peter and John come in the house and set at his table. But he did not let Peter stay. He told Peter, John, you stay, but Peter, you get up and you do what you want to do quickly. In other words, get out of my house. It's quiet in here today. But Jesus knew who he could trust. Jesus knew that John had the father's heart, had had his heart. He loved him, right? Right? He followed him all the way to the cross. But it was Peter that had in his heart self-gain and and, self-promotion and making a little extra for himself, not having Jesus' best interest in mind. And just because people come across your path doesn't mean that God sent them. And as a Christian, you should show them the love of Christ just like Christ showed his love to us But you don't have to let them into your life. Now I don't want you leaving here all spooky and looking wild-eyed at everybody that comes around. Looking funny at people. But I do believe that as Christians we need to be more careful about who we allow to come into our lives. Ungodly soul ties will mess you up. Even as Christians and following the pattern, there will still be offenses in our life. There'll still be some that come disguised as friends because Jesus said offenses will come. Right? A true friend will be your friend when things are good and when things are bad. A true friend will will trust you when they don't understand you. Amen? Amen. These are hard to come by in the natural realm. They're hard to come by in finding them in the spiritual realm. But I want you to understand today that there has, we have to be good friends to God before we can be good friends to other people. Amen? People that God can trust, to trust Him when they don't understand Him is what He is looking for. That will follow Him and follow His leading when they cannot figure out why. But because He is your friend and you have a relationship with Him and he, you trust Him, He will never leave you and He will never forsake you. He will be with you to the ends of the world. He's your friend, and he will never lead you into a place that he cannot bring you out of. Amen. The Bible, you need scripture for that. He said in every temptation, he will provide a way of escape that you might be able to bear it. Amen. The word picture for that is this that God goes into the room and assures that there is an exit door before you ever go in. God is looking for such a people that He will connect Himself with that will lead them in the realms of the Spirit and bring heaven into the earth. Amen. He's looking for Abraham's. Huh? Abraham knew God as a friend of God. So what caused him to be called the friend of God, God could trust him. Right? He trusted God and he left his familiar surroundings. What he knew all of his life, everything that was was, was familiar to him, Abraham leaves it. Amen. And it takes faith to please God. And when our lives are not an adventure of faith, we are not pleasing to God. But we look and we see in Genesis chapter 15 that God cut covenant with Abraham. The lesser covenant is with the greater covenant. And God didn't need Abraham as much as Abraham needed God. But Abraham didn't have anything God needed except his body. He needed a way to bless his people. He needed a person to establish in the earth, and he found that he could trust Abraham to do this very thing. And he put Abraham to sleep. He cuts covenant with Abraham, and Abraham didn't have to do anything with this. God did it all for him. But later, Abraham would have to prove himself to God when he said, Bring your son, your only son, Isaac, and sacrifice him to me. Right? Are you walking with me? And there comes a time in our life, God has done it for us. Can we get an amen? Amen. God has done it all for us, but there comes a time in your walk with God when your friendship will be tested. Will you be able to pass the friendship test with God that he says you are my friend? (laughs) Now that's something, isn't it? I must admit, I don't know if I could do do that or not. I would pray that I could. Huh? Can we be true, honest, or we just want to be religious? I don't know that I could just take Jordan up to the mountain, tie him up, and put him on a fire. But I want to know God like that. I want to trust God like that. I want him to trust me like that. Amen? I want to be in that trust level to be called the friend of God, to be one he can trust in the earth. That's an awesome honor, right? I know for some time, we haven't sung it for a minute, but we use, you know, the church at at, at large was singing, I am a friend of God. And that's a great feeling. And it's a wonderful thing to be a friend of God, right? But I wonder, are we really friend of him? I'm not trying to be a Debbie Downer. I just want us, we're growing, maturing. And we can't stay at the same place we were when we were saved or when we were filled with the Holy Spirit. We've got to be growing. Amen. A servant, no longer first level servant. Friend is another level. But he doesn't, there is another level that we find in Scripture, and it goes from servant to friend to son. Amen? No longer do I call you servant, but I call you friend. But then in John chapter 1 and verse 12, he says this But as many as received him, To them he gave the power to become the sons of God. Amen. But as many as received him, to them gave he the power to become the sons of God. Now I told you the other week that sonship and bride are not referring to gender. The bride of Christ is referring to intimacy. The sonship, or the son being the son of God, represents authority. And he said, I give you power to become the sons of God. The power there refers to ability, authority, liberty, power, strength to become. Right? And so it's not an automatic, but he gives us everything that we need to become the sons of God. The power, the authority, the strength. To become the authority of God in the earth. He's given us everything that we need. What does that mean? That doesn't mean you work your way into this place of sonship. But you become through Christ. Through Christ, with the relationship that you have with Christ, you come into this authority, this power, this ability to be representation of Christ in the earth. This is an upside-down kingdom. To increase, you've got to decrease. To go up, you've got to learn to come down. To live, you must die. Amen? So what's the big deal of being a son of uh, being a son? If you're a servant of the king, you may receive from him because of his grace. If you're a friend of the king, you receive from him because of relationship. But if you're the son of the king, if you're the son of the king, everything that the king has already belongs to you. It's already yours. Amen? The king's house is your house. The king's food is your food. The king's resources is your resources. That's the reason when the prodigal son, we call him the prodigal son, when he left his father's house, he went looking for what he already had. Right? He already had everything he needed because in his father's house there was plenty even in the time of famine. When everyone else was dying, when everyone else had lack, in the father's house there was more than enough. And this young man did not understand he was a son, right? And so he leaves his sonship looking for what he already had in the house. And there's a whole lot of people today, they don't understand this truth. You don't have to look outside of the kingdom of God to find what you need for your life. You can search this world over, but whenever you become the son of God, the daughter of God, the children of God, when you become part of this kingdom of God and you are now a son and a daughter of the Most High King, everything that you need pertaining to life and godliness has already been supplied to you because you are joint heirs with Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. It's already available to you. Amen. It's already available to you. Whenever I was at home, we had lived out in the country, lived on a little farm, and, and I had a old, little old 76 Nova. And um, people said, Well, why don't you get you a truck? You a farmer, you farm, why don't you get you a truck? I said, I don't need one. I got one. They said, Where's it at? I said, My daddy's driving it. Amen. As long as he had the truck, I didn't need a truck because I had a truck. Come on, somebody. And I want to tell you today, everything that you need is in the kingdom of God. Everything, everything has already been supplied. I want to say that again. Everything you need is already been supplied. Glory to God. We are sons and daughters of the Most High God, and everything we need has already been taken care of. Hallelujah. You have full access to the kingdom when you are the King's son. Huh? Behold, I give you keys to the kingdom. And so He gives us the keys to the kingdom. So that even, behind, what is keys for? They're to unlock, to unlock locked doors. Everyone doesn't have a key to my house, but my children do. I don't have to be home for them to have access to everything I need. Come on, somebody. Amen. Amen. Everything I need they have access to because even if it is behind the locked door, they have a key to unlock it. And I want to tell you today, as sons and daughters of God, there is nothing that is not accessible to you because He's given you the keys to the kingdom. Hallelujah. And whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Praise God. What He is saying is, I have given you full access because you're not a servant, you're not a friend, but you're a son, you're a daughter, You can be trusted with the things of the kingdom. Glory to God. And you see, it's not even temporal things that he's talking about. Thank God for life, health, strength. Thank God for shelter. Thank God for finances. But that is just mere things in this earth. But he's talking about kingdom things. Like the gifts of the Spirit. Glory to God. Like the power of the Spirit of God. He has given us authority. He has given us access to heaven. And while we're praying, God, heal the sick, he's saying to you, lay hands on the sick yourself. Amen. He said, I've given you that authority. We're saying, oh, God, do this, do that. And he says, no, sir, no, ma'am, I'm not going to do it. I've given you authority. I've given you the ability. And I want you to access what I have given you and begin to fulfill it in the earth. I submit to you today, much of our prayer time is wasted. Because number one, we're asking God to do what we can do ourselves. Or number two, we're asking Him to do what He has given us the ability to do. Amen. We can't be lazy servants. We can't be wicked lazy we've got to take what he has given us and begin to use it for kingdom work amen romans chapter 8 and verse let's look at 14. for as many are led by the spirit of god these are the sons of god For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with him, we may also be glorified together. So let's break this down. Verse 14 says, if you be led by the Spirit, then you qualify for the rest of the Scripture. Amen? If you're led of the Spirit, then you qualify for the rest of this Scripture. Question, are we being led by the Spirit of God? If we are being led by the Spirit of God, then we're the sons and daughters of God. Verse 15 says that we have been adopted. We who were afar off have been brought nigh through the blood of Jesus Christ. Verse 17 tells us that we're heirs of God. That means that we are inheritors of the Father's kingdom. Amen? Matthew chapter 16 and verse 19. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatsoever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. As heirs, we have been given kingdom authority in the earth. We are the Father's authority in the earth. If we're sons and daughters of God, we are God's authority in the earth. If we are sons and daughters of God, you are God's authority in the earth. If you're following and led by the Spirit of God, you are God's authority in the earth. If you are God's authority in the earth, then what are you allowing to go on in your sphere of life? Tell them I'll call them back. We have a joint account with Christ. Amen? We are joint heirs with Christ. A joint account. We don't know much about a joint account here, but in the western part of the country, in the big farmers, where there's big farms, they have family accounts. They're called joint accounts. Everyone in that family has the ability to not only deposit into that account, but also has the ability to make a withdrawal from that account. Right? Father God has put the deposit in the account, but we have the ability to withdraw from that account as we need it in our life. Amen? Second Peter chapter 1 and verse 3. According to, as his divine power hath given unto us what? All things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that called us to glory and virtue. He has given us everything we need in this natural life. Huh? Let me try it like this. But my God shall supply all of my needs according to how 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 spiritual I am how righteous I am how how no according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus our Lord And so as I am walking this life, as I am faithful to him, it doesn't mean about all of these things and how the economy is doing or how how the world is prospering or how things are going in the natural. God has supplied everything that I need before the foundations of the world. And whenever I am walking with him and he can trust me with it, then he supplies my needs. Right? Right? Godliness, according to godliness, that's spiritual things. He said we're heirs of God, join heirs with Christ. Amen? What does Christ mean? That's not his last name. Jesus... The anointed one. And if I have received what he has, I am joint heirs with Christ. He, he doesn't say we are joint heirs with Jesus. We are joint heirs with the anointed one. Huh? And if I believe the word of the Lord, that I am joint heirs with the anointed one, then the same anointing that Jesus ministered in is the same anointing that is accessible to you and to me. Right? That same anointing, that same spirit that raised Jesus up from the dead will quicken your mortal body. We're co-heirs with the anointed one. Amen? We're we're co-heirs with that anointed one. The anointing that raised Jesus from the dead is now available to you and to me. Amen. And so it tells me that when we are real friends of God, when we're the sons of God, when we're the daughters of God, then that same anointing, so if that same anointing resides in us, why is this a world in such a mess? It's laying dormant. It's available, but we're not accepting it. We're not receiving it. We're not taking that what has been made available to us. And that's the reason why we look like we've, we've been dragged, drugged through a rat hole backwards. That's the reason why that we're holding on till it comes. That's the reason why we're maintaining. That's the reason why we're barely getting by. That's the reason why we're saying, Oh, God, help us to make it. Because when we should be standing flat footed in a place and a time and a season like our nation is in, we the people of God ought to be standing in the face of this devil and saying, Not by might nor by power, but by the Spirit of the living God, that lives on the inside of me and casting down vain imaginations and everything that's exalting itself above the knowledge of God and saying the kingdom of God has come unto us and will not allow the devil to control our lives or our nation but we will stand and the power and of the Spirit of Jesus Christ and tear down everything the enemy is trying to erect But we're not doing that because we don't know. We don't know. We're not sure. I mean, though, sometimes you just got to be willing to get wet. Amen. You got to be willing to get wet. First time, whenever God split the Red Sea so the children of Israel could cross, the Bible said that he stretched his rod across the waters and the waters split. But whenever the priests went back, they had to put their foot in the water. Now, don't you know they'd have felt some kind of stupid if they would have drowned? I guess they wouldn't have felt anything. <laughs> but it would have been mightily embarrassing, huh? But they had to go put their foot in the Jordan. They had to put their foot in the in the water. And when they did the act of faith as they did, I don't know if their toes even got wet or not. But what I do know is they had to put their foot down. And when they put their foot down, the waters began to roll back. And I want to tell you, sometimes you may not feel it. You may not experience it and say, oh, chill bumps and Holy Ghost and whatever. But you just know the Word of God. And you just step out there in the middle of your family. You step out there in the middle of that situation. You step out there in the middle of all the hell that's going on around about you and you declare the work of God and the kingdom of God and the power of his Holy Spirit and say to God be the glory for the things that he has done. Amen. One thing I found about God, if you'll trust him when you can't trace him, you trust him when you don't know what's going to happen, God will never let you be embarrassed. He'll never let you down. He'll come through in a mighty way and show his power great. Hallelujah. Amen. Be not conformed unto this world, but be you transformed by the renewing of your mind. That you may prove what is the good and acceptable and the perfect will of God. Don't be conformed. Don't take on what the, the ways of the world. Don't be conformed to this world, the age, the time, the culture. But be transformed. metamorphose, Change. Transfigure. Renew. Renovation. Metamorphosis is something that a, 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 when a silkworm goes into a cocoon, right? And it stays there. And in that secret place, in that hidden place, in that place that nobody can see what is going on, but on the inside of that cocoon, that ugly worm is being metamorphosed. It is being changed from an ugly worm to a colorful, beautiful butterfly. And God takes us into the secret place, He takes us into the hidden place. He takes us in sometimes into the place that is, that is dark, that is isolated, that, is, that nobody can see the work that is going on on the inside of us, right? It's what God is doing when he wants to hide us in Christ. To take on his nature, to take on his image, to come out. When we come out, we're no longer the ugly old self, but we come out the son of the most high God. Amen. I've grown up in the church a long time and I'm not ashamed of my heritage. I I thank God for where I came from and and the the foundation that I've been given. But I heard a lot of saints say that I'm an old wretched worm. They almost had it right. They were an old wretched worm. We were all wretched worms, right? But then the day that we were hid in Christ... Amen. And we take on a new creation. It's not of ourselves, but the old worm died. And when we came up, we came up the beautiful butterfly, if you will. We came up sons and daughters of God. We came up transformed by the power of His Holy Spirit. It's nothing we can do within ourselves. We can't merit it. We can't justify it. But when we surrender our lives to Christ, we begin to grow into the son, the daughter of God that He desires for us to be. Amen. I thought there'd be more ha- people happy about it than that. I believe the rains got you down today. I got about 14 more pages. Can you take it? Amen. Behold, what manner of love the Father have bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore, the world doesn't know us because it did not know Him. How I many you know whenever you, and it's becoming more prevalent in this day than ever before, that, that people don't get you if you're a Christian. They don't understand a moral stand that you take. They don't understand you, you doing things right and believing and, 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 and trusting in God and, and just doing right things. It's becoming more prevalent, light and darkness is more prevalent today in our world than ever before. The world didn't know Jesus, they don't know you because they don't have his nature and they don't understand your actions. Because if we are sons and daughters of God, we are like Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. I don't know how many people tell me, they, oh, you look just like your dad or you act just like your dad. I, I don't get up in the morning and think, oh, I want to act like dad. I want to walk like dad. I want to talk like, I don't, I don't get up in the morning. My thoughts aren't, I've got to act like him. I'm from him. And so I act like him, walk like him, talk like him, look like him, whatever it is. And whenever we are born into the kingdom of God and we begin to take on, we begin to grow, huh? We begin to grow into Christ. We begin to act like him. We begin to love people whenever people say you shouldn't love them. We reach out to people that other people have said, forget it, they'll never be anything, they'll never be able to do, they'll never be able to do this, that, or the other. They're no value to the culture or to society. They give up on them. People say they're wasted, forget about them. But Jesus reached out to them, poured in the oil and the wine and brought healing to a man that had been left for dead, right? And God wants us to look like him. He wants us to look like him in the earth. We haven't got the full revelation of what God is yet. But before he returns, he said we shall be like him. You and I will never become God, nor will we take the place of God. But we ought to look like him. We ought to act like him. We should be like Him. He will always be King of kings and Lord of lords. I talked about this last week. But we are to be King and Lord over our sphere of life. And He is King and Lord over us. Amen? The kingdom of God before the Lord returns will see a significant shift that we will know and we will be bold and we will be courageous. And we will not bow or cower down to the devil. Amen. I know you can't but receive that because you don't see it today. But I'm telling you, there's a shift coming to this kingdom of God. There's things that are taking place in the kingdom. We may not be able to see it, but we will not be silent forever. God's going to raise up a people that are, he can trust to be sons and daughters, and he's going to give them authority and power in heaven and in earth. Glory to God. Amen. You see, he said he gave us full, the Bible talks about giving us full measure. Watch this. When the disciples were in the earth, whenever, uh, when, in the Old Testament, they had God the Father, and, they, and then in the New Testament, they had God the Father and God the Son right but then in full measure now we don't just have god the father god the son but we have god the father god the son and god the holy spirit we have it without measure amen that's our availability that's what we have to work with today and I told you last week that whenever we become, or I think it was last week, but the sons, whenever they become sons of God, they become, the son was a bar mitzvah time. It was 12 years old in the Jewish custom, and it would go, they would go to the temple, and they would be, uh, begin to recite the Torah. And that's what Jesus was doing at 12 years old. He went there in the book of Isaiah. He found himself and he was at that 12 year old. He said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me for he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor to heal the brokenhearted, and set at liberty them that are bruised and preach the acceptable word of God. Amen. And so he is, he found himself in scripture. He has his bar, misva if you will. And he realizes this is who I am. I'm the the Son of God. Hallelujah. And he begins to display that and we see that as they recited the Torah, it was with they, that, that even though that they were anointed, even though Jesus was anointed, the Spirit of the Lord was upon him, he still was a legal God. Are you walking with me? All right. I know y'all done left me. I was kidding about the 14, all right? If you'll help me, I've got two more. He was a legal god. And so as he was a legal god, he would take and and he said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me 12 years old, but he waits till he's at the age of 30 because, you, uh, because of custom, of the Jewish custom. Legally, he had to wait till he was 30 years old to become a priest. It was at 30 years old that his father taught that the son everything he needed to know so that now he could leave the family trade and tradition to him and at 30 years old the father would, return, would turn over the family business to the son right? Amen. Jesus was 30 years old when he walked down the river Jordan. Come on somebody amen and John was there baptizing when Jesus required of John to baptize him and the Bible said the heavens opened up and the father said this is my beloved son And whom I am well pleased. And he turns the family business over to him. And the earth is creation, is waiting for the manifestation of the sons and the daughters of God. Why is it doing that? It is groaning today because it remembers what it was like when the Son Jesus Christ walked this earth and had authority over the elements, had authority over things, and he is saying, I'm groaning, I'm waiting for it desired the expectation for the maturity of the sons and the daughters of God to come into their rightful place so the earth can be like it was when Jesus was here. I'm telling you it's time. I said it's time. It's time for the sons and the daughters of God to arise up and take our rightful place and say we were created for this. We were created to destroy darkness. We were to create to heal the sick and to cleanse the leper. We were created to cast out devils. We were created to bring joy and hope into the earth. We were created and we were anointed for such a time as this that we can declare the kingdom of God has now come unto us. If you believe it, give him some praise here this morning. We are created for this. Say, we're created for this. We're created for this hour. We're created for this moment. I'm done, Amy. That's your cue. Been preaching a minute now. Started preaching when I was fifteen. Today, June the twenty eighth, is the day I began preaching when I was fifteen years old. People asked me then, said, How can you preach with such authority? I said, because I believe the word. (laughs) Seen a lot of great things happening in these last, what, 38 years? But I think the best is yet to come. People told me, with, uh, you know, and I'm sure they were well-meaning or whatever, but people told me, they said, pat me on the head and say you're young you'll settle down you get a little older you won't preach like that other people told me I was born in the wrong time you should have been born in the 50's or 60's preaching back then I only say that to say this They were wrong because the fire hasn't burned out. And they were wrong because we were born for such a time as this. Amen. You were born when you were born for such a time as this. And we're going to become mature. We're going to develop. We're going to be bold and strong. We're going to be known not as a servant or even as a friend. Thank God for that. But as a son, as a daughter that has a full authority in the kingdom. Amen. Full authority. Glory to God. Glory to God. Amen. Hallelujah. Stand with me today. I don't know where you may be in your faith walk. Maybe you never called upon Jesus to be your personal Savior and Lord. Maybe you have, and you've drawn cold and indifferent in that, and you're not being faithful with what God had given you or placed in your life, and you just need to renew that covenant relationship with Him today, or maybe you've never had it, and you need to, to have that today. That's the first step in growing in the things of God. Maybe there's...